2: We make bags of black powder, they go into sort of a inside of a dark battery that goes inside of a dark box that goes somewhere underneath the floorboard of a car, and yet it makes your car worth buying. The modern car, the 21st century car, is defined by battery chemistry.
1: Yo, technology, what is it all about? Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. This week, I ventured all the way to the island of Alameda, which is about 12 minutes from my house. Usually I only go to Alameda because that's where the nearest Target store is. But last week, I went for a different reason, to meet this week's guest, which is Gene Berdachevsky, who is the founder of Sela Nanotechnologies. And I'm going to guess that you've never heard of Gene or his company but you will. Because CELA has been quietly working on something that could very soon affect all of us. Uh, It is a battery company. And what they have done is crack a new chemistry, a new battery chemistry, which is the first since lithium-ion was introduced nearly three decades ago. And what that means is that your phone could soon do more stuff, last a lot longer. Electric cars could become cheaper and better. Berdachevsky's ultimate goal is to become the intel inside of the electric car revolution. And a couple months ago, Daimler led a $170 million funding into the company. So it's one of those quiet companies that could become hugely important for all of us. And I wanted to bring you that story first. So, I showed up at their headquarters in Alameda to have a tour and to sit down with you. Um, yeah, let's
2: go. Let's walk. Through okay so this is the R&D lab yeah um, we've added some tools since you've been here but more or less the same we make sort of gram scales of our material um, mostly thermal processing so this is kind of the lab right this is the, yes. kind of you this is the R&D back. lab yeah uh, we make tiny uh, amounts of material here to test and iterate. We'll walk out on the shop floor. So we are gonna manufacture here as well. So we'll walk oh, wow. onto the manufacturing okay. floor. I'd offer you something to drink, but we are since we're going into the SEM room, there's no food or drink in there. That's uh, nice. But if you want something before we go in, we can. I'm good. All right. I'm good. We started uh, about eight years ago uh, with a mission to revolutionize energy storage. And in particular, with the goal to deploy the first first new chemistry after lithium-ion that would increase energy density, so how much energy you can store in any battery, whether it's in a consumer device or an electric vehicle. And the impact of that is that you can make consumer devices that are smaller or cooler or have better features, and you can make electric vehicles that have longer range, faster acceleration, and ultimately lower cost, which is what is really holding them back. Yeah.
1: Before we kind of get to what you're up to now and you had this huge investment from Daimler, et cetera, can you talk about what you did before this? Because I think that really kind of will give people a sense of where you're coming at this from.
2: Yeah, so I started playing with lithium-ion batteries when I was 18, actually, and I started at Stanford building solar cars. We uh, did a race from Chicago to LA, and at then was it
1: one of those cars that looks really like funky, like a like one of those like a, um, s- like fish. a wing,
2: like a spaceship wing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so we we could go 55 miles an hour on flat ground on on two horsepower, the equivalent 1,500 watts, the power of of a toaster oven. And so toaster oven on wheels. (laughs) Uh, And when we got to the end of the race, we were looking at the lithium-ion batteries we were using with some alums from the project, a very notable alum I'll I'll mention again in a second. Uh, We figured out that you could build real cars with lithium-ion Real EVs and the things you could do with it is you could make an electric sports car, for example. And Wait, so, what year was this? So this was 2003. And, uh, the I was, year
1: Tesla was founded, wasn't it?
2: That's the year Tesla was founded, and uh, there's some intersection of the same people. I went back to school after that summer and wrote a business plan about using lithium ion for electric cars in the U.S. market. And then, it turns out, unbeknownst to me at that time, Martin Eberhardt had commissioned a little company called AC Propulsion to convert an electric kit car to lithium ion, and they published a white paper that showed you could go 300 miles on this little tiny sporty car that happened to do zero to 60 in like five or six seconds. Right. And so six months later, I learned that Martin was doing this and they had founded Tesla and they had just gotten their series a financing. No one on Sand Hill road was willing to fund these guys. There was one person, you know, all the Sand Hill guys were like, this is crazy. Why would we possibly do this? There was one person who was like, this isn't crazy. It's a great idea. And that was Elon. So he, he um, funded, I, I don't know the, the full details, but I think the yeah. almost the entirety of the Series A. And one of the solar car alums was J.B. Straubel, who became their, uh, one of the first employees and the CTO. And when I heard that we were doing this, I basically went and begged my way into a job. I left school. I dropped out of Stanford a little early, joined them in, as a seventh employee and spent four years developing the lithium ion battery system that's in the Tesla Roadster. That's sort of my baby. Saw that technology was slowing down in the battery. Mm-hmm. The battery rate of improvement was slowing down. So were you there th- through the actual launch of the
1: Roadster? Yes, yes. Okay.
2: So first right. kind of production units off right. the line. And, you know, at that point, it, was a, it had been a four-year journey, and I really wanted to build my own company. I wanted to do what these guys had done. So I left and decided to go deeper into the science of energy. Studied material science for a couple of years at Stanford. Looked at a lot of different technologies around the world. And ultimately met a professor at Georgia Tech, a brilliant guy by the name of Gleb Yushin who's our CTO today, and he was working on some, some new methods for making different kinds of battery materials,
1: these new chemistries that could increase energy density. And uh, So you, you guys make the Roadster, and the battery pack is what, effectively?
2: Uh, the battery pack at that time was 69 times 99, I think it was 6,831 18650 laptop batteries. And, and, you so know,
1: basically just a whole bunch of laptop batteries together. Yeah still fundamentally is the same thing. What Which we, is funny when you put it that way. It just sounds so crude.
2: Yeah. Well, the very first prototypes were super glued together. Uh, <laughs> so I have great photos of just like, you know, G&D literally super, super gluing. I kid you not. And, uh, you know, that's 2003, 2004. You know, by yeah. the end, it's a very sophisticated system with a bunch of incredible technologies to make it the safest lithium ion system out there. Yeah. Nobody at that time believed you could put lithium-ion in a car. And now, of course, every automaker is putting lithium-ion in a car. So we sort of proved that that could be done. But yeah, it started with literally super-glued
1: laptop batteries. And so lithium-ion, I think you mentioned that was basically commercialized in 91. So it's been around... That's right. Almost 30 years. Right. And that was the biggest new thing in batteries since... Since
2: nickel metal hydride in sort of the 80s. Okay, Batteries are about 150 years old. And there's only been... Kind of four rechargeable chemistries that have mattered, and there's a lot of chemistries of batteries. Some that are used for really niche applications. If you're launching a, a missile and it has to work once, it's very different. But there's only four commercially relevant ones, and that's lead acid, nickel cadmium, nickel metal hydride, and what we all use today is lithium ion. And that's a kind of a misnomer. And that's what's in our, so, our
1: smartphones, phones, cars, everything.
2: laptops, all of it. Right. It's better characterized as what we call intercalation chemistry. And essentially, a battery has four components. It's i to Break it down. It's pretty simple. Anode stores the lithium and the energy when the battery is charged. Mm -hmm. Cathode stores the lithium and the energy when the battery is discharged. A separator to keep them from short-circuiting, and an electrolyte liquid that lives around the whole thing to conduct the ions back and forth. That's it. Okay. All that gets put into a package, and essentially, lithium is the thing that shuttles between the anode and the cathode, but it doesn't define the chemistry. It's really the anode and the cathode. And Sony launched graphite. Metal oxide, So graphite anode, metal oxide, cathode. It's what we use today. It's what Tesla uses. They use a slight variant of it. Mm -hmm. It's what every EV out there uses. And so as we're launching our product, we're replacing the graphite part entirely with something that's much smaller, much lighter. And so you can make a battery that stores the same amount of charge that's smaller, or you can store more charge in the same volume.
1: And so that's important because, for example, if we're talking about cars, which is kind of the future, the battery is... The most expensive part. By far. By far. By far. And it's very heavy. Yes. 1,000 pounds. Yeah. So theoretically, if you make something that is 800 pounds instead of a 1,000 and can do the same thing, I don't know what the cost would be. It's interesting. It's actually
2: most of the cost isn't in the materials. It's in putting them together and building the cells. So actually, if you use 20% fewer batteries, you're going to spend about 20% less. Right. So it's actually – it's almost – I mean, it's not quite. Almost but it's one almost one to one. Li- one-to-one. And so, if you can make something that stores twice as much energy, it's going to cost you per cell. You use half as many cells to go the same distance, cost you half as much. Oh, and by the way, it's also half as heavy, and so now you can put less crash structure around it. You can make the vehicle design lower cost. You can give the occupant more space. There's all these virtuous benefits, but fundamentally it all comes down to cost. And so this classic chemistry, the silicon anode technology that we're launching, we're starting with about a 20% improvement. And then we can push that based on our roadmap over the next few years, to about a 40% improvement. And so to put that in context, in the last five years, the chemistry performance has only improved by 1% or 2% every in couple of years. Ion. In lithium ion. Right. So we're sort of taking something that's that's stalled completely because it's at its theoretical limit. I mean, people have pushed these things to yeah. their limit, sometimes over their limit, yeah. but they've pushed them to their limit for the most part, and we're raising the ceiling by up to 40% with the first product that gets us, you know, Uh, roughly 20% better. Right. that
1: gets the auto guys very excited. Just the context of what you're doing is really interesting because I think in the next 12 or 18 months, depending on what you read, there's something like 20-ish new electric vehicles. It does feel like Tesla finally won the battle, if not the war, we'll see. But in terms of convincing the world that actually electric vehicles are a real thing and can, it's something that people will buy.
2: Yeah. I, I thought we did that back in '08, but it seems like we had to kind of reconvince yeah. people again and again. But yeah, they're all coming. Uh, they're all coming to the market. One interesting thing, if you watch the auto industry closely, is the timeline for a new car program tends to be five to seven years. Mm-hmm. So the things that are launching now from all the other automakers are things they decided on five years ago. And Very so you'll notice that many of them are kind of Model S competitors. Yeah. Because at that point, everyone said, hey, this Model S thing kind of works. And so, the you know, a lot of the Model 3 competitors are still a little ways off. But it's true. There's no going back. The die's been cast. So the same is true that just because they're not launching their Model 3 competitors. Uh, and the Model 3 is the one, the electric car for the masses. The yeah, kind of the low enough cost that yeah. at least, you know, millions can be sold. You still need to go further if you really want mass, mass adoption. Mm-hmm. But all of the sort of mass market cars, the thing you're seeing now is the big automakers have committed to them. And that's what matters. Because these programs, even though they're five years, these are freight trains of the most epic proportions. They do not miss start of production dates. And if they commit to putting that on the road five years from now, it's going to happen. And so I think we've passed the tipping point, but we're still, it's going to be a few more years before we see a lot of mass market electric vehicles. There's no stopping it at this point.
1: Right. What have you done here? So you, this 20%, how did you do that? Because it sounds like what you're talking about is it's a new battery, effectively.
2: Yeah, it's a new chemistry. It's the beginning of an entirely new chemistry. It turns out it's a really hard problem. We, I will be <laughs> honest. We thought it would take half as much time, probably three times less capital, not 30,000 iterations in eight years. And so what we've done is we've designed a material. So the, the challenge with these new chemistries is that they store so much lithium and we're making an anode so it stores remember the lithium when the battery's charged. Yeah. But it stores so much of it that it expands by about 4x. Okay. And every t- when you charge it. And since you use this battery every day, you're essentially expanding and contracting this this material.
1: It's like blowing up a balloon and then letting it out, blowing And expecting it, out, it to
2: work, it work a thousand times. And so for, you know, a decade, people couldn't crack sort of 100 uses. Yeah. And the way we've cracked the code is we've developed a material where individual particles kind of compensate for that swelling internally. And so the particle, the outside of the particle, doesn't expand and contract. And so you can think of it like the battery doesn't really see the expansion and contraction. It's happening inside of the material. It's
1: like... um Think like put a, a bumper on it.
2: Think like a sponge with a candy shell, but that's sort of a very crude analogy. Yeah. The sponge expands and contracts inside, but because the particle— The shell is, stays the same. The shell stays the same. And it's not actually a shell, but again, it's a good analogy. Yeah. And so that sounds cool and real easy, and we've like had the idea for a really long time. It turned out we had to invent entirely new ways of synthesizing materials. We sort of had to you know, industrialize these processes that my co-founder had invented at, at, at Georgia Tech. We had to iterate and iterate, and so it took 30,000 iterations in our systems and chemical processes that we borrowed from different industries, and the tools didn't exist to do the synthesis, so we built our own tools, so all the equipment that we just walked around and saw, the giant furnaces that you could sort of crawl yeah. into, we designed and built those to manufacture this material, and no one else in the world knows how to do this because no one else has needed to make this kind of material for anything else. So it turned out to be a really hard problem. But now that we have it, the key is it actually is very so easy. Now, to so
1: now you've, you've cracked the code. You can produce it. Now you're going to start industrializing it. Is that where you are? Yeah,
2: that's right. So we're you know, starting to ship it to battery manufacturers around the world. And one thing we did very and early what is on. It?
1: What does it look like?
2: It looks like black powder, you know, like graphite, black powder, very unexciting to the naked eye. Eight years of
1: blood, sweat, and tears, and it's just bags of black powder. Yeah,
2: we make bags of black powder. They go into sort of a inside of a dark battery that goes inside of a dark box that goes somewhere underneath the floorboard of a car, and yet it makes your car worth buying. It changes the acceleration of your car. It changes the recharge time of your car. It changes the cost, the range. It, It is the modern car, the 21st century car is defined by battery chemistry. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not defined by... In the it, way
1: that the 20th century car was defined by the internal combustion engine. The
2: combustion engine. So we, we talk about the 20th century was a, a century of combustion. And I think if, you're, if you go forward to the end of this century and then look backwards and say, what was the 21st century about? It'll have been about electrification. It'll be about moving everything away from combustion industrially, globally, renewables. We've already done this in consumer devices. Mm-hmm. We've we've detached from a wall socket in our computers and we carry them around. It's really that, that energy storage push of the 21st century. And we can even, maybe we later talk about how this connects to autonomous vehicles too, but these things are deeply connected and on-demand economy. And so when we kind of get to the future, it's all going to be electrified.
1: Yeah. And so you're making this stuff now, but the tour we just had, I mean, it feels like to really produce at scale, you're going to need a lot more than what you just showed me. No,
2: you bet. So that's part of why we, you know, we raised this capital. We're going to go build now factories where we make copies of these production lines. So it's a lot easier to make a copy of something than it is to, to invent it for the first time. And yet we have to continue to scale. I mean, we could support you know, maybe maybe a thousand cars with what you saw here, or a few million phones, or several tens of millions of smartwatches. And by the way, that's why we'll be in smartwatches first because we can support tens. So of that's millions where you go.
1: That's more. where you're going first.
2: Smartwatches, fitness trackers, wireless earbuds. So for every car, we can support a couple hundred thousand smartwatches, right? If, well,
1: I imagine even just thinking about earbuds. I mean, obviously those are the, probably the smallest mass market consumer electronic thing. Yeah. If you can do. M- the same thing with 20% less, That's in that small space, that's actually quite a big deal, I would guess.
2: Yeah. You can either make the design better looking, so people have mixed feelings about the most popular AirPods, right? Yeah. Uh, you can make the design a little better, or you can add features, which is actually what we, turns out, we as consumers usually want. So, yeah. you know, why doesn't it have, hey Siri, why doesn't it have some other cool feature, like why doesn't it just have some of your music on there, so you don't have to have a, a watch with you. you, just run with your headphones and they have music in them because you have storage, because you can power it. So right. batteries matter for consumer a lot, and that's why we're gonna start there. We can create a lot of value. Same material, so remember we use laptop batteries to make cars, turns out the chemistry is the same. And so this new chemistry can support cars. Can both. basically be dropped in yeah. effectively. Any battery factory, so this is something where for industrialization, we made this decision eight years ago. We said, we're only going to work on technologies that are fully compatible with how batteries are made today. So we invented all these processes to make the material. And, and that was way harder than it, it would have been if we'd sort of built the battery yeah. completely differently. But we did that so that when we had this material, we could put it into any factory. You and can so kind of we,
1: slip into the supply chain rather than have to make a new one. Yeah,
2: really easy, right? right. And so this is why our auto partners are so excited, right? Because they're making commitments either to build or buy from battery factories around the world. And those battery factories, we're going to see in the next seven years, we're going to expand the global capacity by about a factor of 10. Global capacity of what? Of batteries produced every year. 10 times? 10 times. So just for context, last year, we had enough for $2 Vehicles, 2 million plug-in vehicles worldwide. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to go to something like 20 million vehicles or probably closer to 10 to 15, but also grid applications. Yeah. And the batteries in vehicles get bigger. So you're talking about capacity of factories that are going up is about one terawatt hour of battery production per year is sort of the commitment that, right. that's currently out there. And so it's a couple hundred billion dollars of capital being deployed over that time. And boy, it's nice to be compatible with that. Uh, Whereas many other battery technologies people have worked on, you have to rebuild that factory from the ground up. You have to build the battery completely differently. And so while that's exciting and cool from a technology standpoint, it's really, uh, you know, a non-starter from an industrialization standpoint. And so
1: how do you, so you just got, you just had this huge investment from Daimler. Yeah. But presumably you want to sell this to everybody.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so there's no
1: exclusivity there because it would obviously they're going to want something for their money.
2: They have an opportunity, and they provided we we go down the path we laid out, they'll be first. Um, right, they'll, they'll be they'll be one of the first. BMW is our other partner. So, and you'll notice, you know, we're starting with some of the best cars in the world, new technologies. You always want to introduce them into the premium segment. That helps you get the scale to get your costs down. But those two car companies today make up, you know, six, 7% of the global auto industry. And so in one sense, it's small. And so we'll go past that and we'll yep. supply everybody else. And they want us to because they want our prices to come down. But in the other sense, it's so big that it's going to take us five years just to get there. Yeah. So we're sort of not worried about, we're not you know we will get to everybody that's the mission that's the vision it'll take a while and we couldn't be more excited than to start with two of the best car makers in the world what is sila what is that word so sila so you know silicon lithium okay. anodes but it also means uh, power or strength or energy in russian and i'm uh, i was russian born so we sort of you're born pl- in russia played a little yeah played a little bit of uh, phonetic word play there so how when did you come over here uh, i was 9 yeah how old are you now? 35. So, yeah, tw- what is that? 24 years ago. 1992? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. So when things got a bit crazy over in Russia.
2: Yeah, we a little after, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So.
1: Okay. why do you end up doing this? This sounds like a whole lot of hard work. It's so fun. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm a sucker for really hard problems. And this
2: is batteries, it turns out, is just one of the hardest, yeah. period. That's turned out to be true. Uh, it's also a lot of fun. One of the things we get to do is play with every kind of science every kind of we have an amazing variety of scientists here that have made this possible and so it's an just been an incredible learning from physicists and chemists and material scientists and every flavor of engineering it's it's really cool
1: are your parents scientists and or
2: Entrepreneurs? A little bit of both. Uh, Engineers, they were uh, nuclear sub engineers. uh, Oh, wow. Back back in in Russia, and now software programmers, and somewhere along the way, my, my dad had a bunch of businesses. So I think that's where I got a little bit of the bug.
1: Right. What is your view on flying cars? Air taxis.
2: <laughs> Air taxis, I think they like to be called. Yes,
1: or, yeah, I know, but the people get very precious about what you call them.
2: They need a better battery, and uh, we're excited about that. I think it's an enabler. It's not our main focus today. We sort of be happy when that market shows up. It's kind of another car-sized market, but that actually needs the innovation we have even more than, than cars. But we're yeah, not going to wait weight for it. Is,
1: weight is the, kind of the biggest thing in aviation, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, weight, and it just doesn't work until the battery gets good enough. So, but we're not going to wait till they show up. We're exploring opportunities there, but we're not in a rush right now.
1: So that's kind of further down the track.
2: I'm, yeah, I'm more excited about kind of what's happening with on-demand and autonomy. And, uh, all right, let's talk
1: about that. Yeah. So yeah. Elon was talking the other day about at his autonomy day about just, he has whatever, I'm going to have a million cars on the road and just turn them all into a fleet of autonomous robo taxis. And they're just going to be cruising around picking people up dropping them off and everybody's making money off of it i that seems outlandish
2: yeah so i I, i'm not necessarily excited about any one particular approach to this but here's what i see i see three waves and they amplify each other in a big way evs are actually the furthest along they probably get talked about the least but Mm -hmm. we're two percent of global penetration on plug-in cars which is unbelievable two percent already yeah really yeah And now we're all of a sudden noticing them. The thing we don't notice is that for seven years, we've been at a 50% year-over-year growth clip globally, right? Silicon Valley, we know a thing or two about exponentials. 50% clips take over the world very, very fast. So so the world's going electric in the big way. If you look at on-demand, that actually amplifies the electrification. And here's why. An on-demand vehicle tends to drive 5 to 10 times more miles than a personal vehicle. And so when uh, you
1: say an on-demand vehicle, Uber, Lyft, right, okay. uh, anything that you're sort of, you know, uh, right. There's less idle time. Yeah. Right.
2: So you, you talk to, talk to an Uber driver. I did 50,000 miles, right? It's mind blowing. Yeah. But what that means is that they drive these cars 300, 400, 500,000 miles. And where electric vehicles excel is not an upfront cost, but the dollar per mile cost. It's yeah. you know, 10 times less than a gas car. Yeah. So if you've got a battery that can do half a million miles, then it makes on-demand way cheaper, right? It reduces, it eliminates the cost of gas. And so the more people use on-demand, the more it amplifies electric and the more it accentuates the benefits of electric. Now, today, they don't recharge quite fast enough. There's, there's a lot of limitations that aren't yeah. maybe as inexpensive as a Prius, but you see a lot of Priuses there, right? So they clearly care about efficiency. And so that's going to amplify EVs in a big way, especially as EVs get better. And then the final bit, of course, is as we go autonomous, Most miles are going to go on demand, and all of those are definitely going to be electric. And so it really takes it to a place where the electric vehicle cost of ownership isn't just a little cheaper than a gas car. It's way cheaper, because if you're driving a million miles on it, and you're paying a penny per mile instead of 12 cents per mile for the fuel, it completely transforms economy. EVs are more here than the other two actually yeah, but yeah. we talk about them a lot less we talk a lot more about autonomy but those things all amplify faster and faster electrification so i think most predictions for how we're going to electrify today they're aggressive they're good but they're going to fall short when these other things continue to, to hit so you know is it going to take one year or five years or ten years for autonomy i i, I don't know yeah uh, but i do know what that will intersect and, and just uh, sort of Uh, accelerate being be a huge accelerant to electrification
1: and so what does what you're doing also mean is it the kind of potentially another nailer the final nail in the coffin of range anxiety yeah yeah for sure uh you know i've got this electric vehicle but you know i gotta i can only go whatever 200 miles and if it's cold less before i have to find some place to recharge
2: Yeah, so I I think people are going to start pushing the 400-mile limit even without us and then with our technology. and, And as we get closer to automotive production scale, we think we'll be closer to that 30 40% improvement. You know, I think you you can get to over 500. Now, you're paying for a big battery. So I think yeah. I think we'll solve that problem multiple ways. We'll, people will also take that chemistry and that technology and and have a battery design that is maybe 200 miles but recharges in 10 minutes, right? And so I think we'll solve it multiple ways on the product side. You know, we're here to kind of enable kind of a diversity of solutions and and then we'll see what the market the market will buy what the market wants because if you live in a You lived in Europe for a long time probably nowhere to park your uh, electric vehicle So there you might be much better off with a 200 mile battery that you know can recharge in five or seven or ten minutes. Yeah, but people who own EVs don't have much range anxiety after a little while too. That's sort of, yeah. it's definitely, once you go to the other side, you start to realize, wait a minute, it's so nice not to go to a gas station ever. You know, I don't have to worry about that extra 15 minutes at the beginning of my day when I forget and, you know, now I'm late to drop my kids off or whatever it yeah. is.
1: that's how That leads to a whole other discussion, which I think is really interesting about like what happens to gas stations, what happens to businesses like, isn't, isn't, you that know, the candy and batteries question? and cigarettes where that's where they do whatever, you know, 30, 40, 50% of their sales is at the gas stations. No one ever has to go to a gas station anymore. S- sounds nice,
2: right? Uh, yeah. You know, I, that's, yeah, that's. There's all that's,
1: these second and third and fourth order effects that I think are going to come uh, as this kind of takes over.
2: I think that's actually what's going to, that's starting to make some of the oil companies nervous. It's not. that there's a place for oil we make a bunch of stuff in the world with it but what they're really worried about is those gas stations make you know the the ones that own their gas stations make a lot of money and and that's going to be a problem much sooner than sort of the not needing oil for for transportation we're going to continue to to, to use it in in big ways the
0: train is now approaching junction at platform passengers airport, please stay on board Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.
1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I have a question. So I have a Prius Mm -hmm. that I purchased, used from my dad. The plug-in
2: or the regular? Regular, old school. Yeah.
1: It's like uh, 12 years old. Okay. I bought it from my dad, used. Two months later, they're like, "Uh, your battery's dead. And it's not like you go down to Pet Boys and buy a $50 battery. It's like this is going to be almost $3,000, which when you think about the Prius, you're like, oh, I'm saving all this money on gas, but if I want it long term, is that actually much of a deal if you have to spend you know thousands of dollars if you want to keep that car?
2: Yeah. So one perspective we have on that, cost does not prohibit us from building a battery that can last a million miles in 30 years. It's innovation that's prohibiting that. It's, it's, okay. it's ideas, it's science, it's continuing to evolve the materials. And so one of the things we look ahead to as we get out into the market and we start to deploy the material we have is exactly that, making, making a battery that lasts a million miles, that lasts 30 years. Scientifically, there are challenges. Mm-hmm. Scientists listening to this will, you know, yep. won't let me get away without saying that. But <laughs> we have a perspective that that's a solvable problem without increasing cost. And so imagine a world where, where you do that. And so that comes back again the But that to the would autonomy. change the
1: entire auto industry because then it's like you buy one car. Yeah. Forever.
2: You buy one battery forever. And then oh, you, they you just swap, swap them. Swap at- it. Right. So no, the battery will outlast the car, but but also again, in the world of autonomy and on demand, in ten years we'll probably do a couple million miles on a car. Of course it's hard to imagine, but that's that's how technology progresses. You look where are the fundamental limits, where are mm-hmm. the first principle limits. And with some of the ways the chemistries that, that people use today, there are fundamental limits of why you're not gonna get to thirty years and you know, and millions of miles. But with the chemistry platform we're moving to, we see that opportunity. And so it's in the longer term plan. It's, we, you know, we don't have anything today that does that, but, but scientifically that's, you know, what we want the kind of people who want to solve that problem because it's fundamentally solvable. We've got the resources to do it here and you know, it's going to be amazing when we solve it.
1: But it will require breakthroughs. In other words, Uh, or will it require tinkering? In other words, do you see, do you know the path and the way that you knew the path here and it just took a lot longer and it was a lot harder or is it? We're just going to have to make a couple leaps. We just don't know which direction those are going to go yet.
2: So I think it's kind of like where we were some years ago with our first products where we, we said, look, there's no reason scientifically or from an engineering perspective that this shouldn't work. That doesn't mean we know how to make it work, yeah. but we see it the same way. There's no reason that we can't make it work. And I think at this point we have proof that we're pretty good at solving these kind of problems. And so now we just use the culture we've built use the experience we've had and just accelerate that drive for the ultimate battery. As you get there, you go beyond cars. Because if if you actually have something like that, it goes beyond cars. Now you start to think about, hey, if I have a 30-year lithium-ion system that can charge and discharge every day... That's a renewables grid support system. Right? Yeah. So the the you know the challenge for lithium ion on the grid today is it basically doesn't live long enough. So you have to change them out. Yeah. Um, it gets and, too expensive. And they're expensive and up yeah. front, right? But if if you could increase longevity, maybe you can tolerate some of that upfront cost. And and if you increase energy density, you can reduce that upfront cost. So yeah. technology has a way of surprising us. The one thing we know is it's gonna if we keep keep at it, we're gonna make it better and better and better than we predict. You know, when I sort of started in, in the energy arena, there was solar was, you know, five or 10 bucks a watt. And there was a grand challenge to get to a dollar a watt. And people kind of said, there's no way yeah. here's the math of why there's no way. And, you know, I think if you look at first solar, which makes some of the, uh, you know, us-based cadtel provider, they they're making this stuff at like 35 cents a watt today. So yeah. the only thing we know about technology is with investment and with ideas, it keeps getting better. The only thing we know about natural resources is that the more we use them, the harder it is to get them out of the ground, and the more expensive they get. So, if you look at the trend lines and the trajectories, uh, you know I think we're going to be living in a very different world in a decade. Well, or two. to your
1: point, there's all the—I mean, there's plenty of stories around peak lithium. Is that a thing? No. <laughs> For a hard no.
2: Yeah, for a hard no on lithium. Uh, lithium makes up a, a tiny percentage of the cost structure of the lithium-ion battery, but it's very accessible to people because, oh, it's a lithium-ion battery. That must be the constraint. Yeah. And even if the price doubled, you would barely see a blip on the cost of the device. There are actually other things that are more constraining, uh, and today that's cobalt, which gives you some of the best performance it's used in consumer but it's expensive and and it's expensive because it's rare and a lot of it comes from congo from uh, from congo yep. so there's there's a lot of trouble with it in the auto industry they have to think seven ten years ahead so they're moving to uh, replace 90 percent of it with nickel and manganese manganese is dirt. It's dirt yeah. cheap. And, and nickel is is used in the steel industry at a scale that's just yeah. unfathomable and, and is relatively cheap as a result. So, you know, we'll, we'll sort of supplant cobalt over time. Nickel could become a constraint as we get to 20, 30 million electric vehicles, kind of 2030s timeframe. Again, this is where technology comes in. There are ways of moving away from all of those. You can, you know, and I, I, I won't say too much more, we're looking if there's chemistries that get rid of that constraint. Oh, and by the way, they make a better lithium ion battery down the line. So we think about that, you know, we see a path to no earthbound constraints for that and The other element here is it's much more recyclable, right? So you take Mm. uh, fossil fuels out of the ground, you use them once. You're not recycling them unless you bury a dinosaur for 100 million years. It's how you recharge that battery. My son was doing that the other day. Yeah,
1: (laughs) in the backyard. (laughs) I don't think they're going to turn into oil, though.
2: Yeah. Whereas here, we can re-extract a lot of the metals, and and, and they do. A huge amount of the cobalt's recycled, a huge amount of nickel's Mm. recycled. If it's not, lithium's not recycled because it's too cheap to be recycled right now uh, from a lithium-ion battery. So it it won't be the constraint. But that's not to say there won't be short spikes in price, but short in the grand scheme of the world.
1: Yeah, so we're not going to just move from a world where oil price spikes kind of ruins everybody's day or ruins economies to a place where lithium or cobalt price spikes become a geopolitical problem.
2: No, I don't, I don't think so. And even from a manufacturing standpoint, one of the things that's true today is ca- you look at cars and they're manufactured at, on every continent uh, in mm-hmm. every country uh, because they're really big, they're really heavy, and you want to make them close to the people buying them. It turns out batteries are the same way. So unlike solar or microchips or other really sort of small light things that you can yeah. ship across the world, you can't really ship batteries and you can't even fly them because they're, you know, large scale, they're dangerous, right? Uh, they store right. energy. So we're going to see a lot more battery factories popping up near car factories. And so that means that we actually sort of from a geopolitical standpoint, it's healthier right now, you know, whether it's the companies that own those factories, TBD, but you're not going to get to everything yeah. being Made in one country and then shipped around the world in this. It's too big, it's too heavy, it's impractical. Yeah. So I think that's also you know, a, a side benefit of going electric. How much money have you raised total? We raised 295 million, just, just a hair under 300. We haven't spent near, most of that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing CELA now for eight years. That's right. Was that hard to find investors and for investors to keep the f- faith? mm mm-hmm. because it feels like you're running into lots of dead ends and trying and failing, and mm-hmm. eight years is a long time mm-hmm.
2: and there's and, they're still keeping and there's still there's
1: st- yeah and there 's still a long way to go before you 're really pumping this stuff out
2: well, and one thing I would say is it it 's not even that i i 'll just i even lead with look we 're still in the first inning of this, and that 's actually part of why they're more excited than ever because if this becomes the standard chemistry that replaces what we have today you know this is what intel did for the semiconductor industry i was going to say it sounds like um, a kind of an intel inside yeah.
1: of the electric car movement.
2: Yeah. So, you know, this financing is a great deal for anyone getting started in this industry. We're going to do this for decades to come. But yes, it, it was a challenge. We've had amazing investors. We've actually been very fortunate. We actually ended up with some of the, the highest quality investors because they're able to look at the first principles of business and say, is this a good investment or not? And not chase the heuristic of the year and uh, our lead investor from the Series A was Sutter Hill Ventures and they've backed every round and they're the biggest shareholder and they continue to invest. You know, we we had Matrix partners also in the Series A and Bessemer and some of these other fantastic folks. And all of our investors have invested in every round. So not only right. have they kept the faith, but they've doubled down. But in sort of two thousand fourteen when we were raising our series B, that was the toughest time. So at that time we had just gone through the clean tech boom where people just lit money on fire. I know.
1: Uh, I at the time I was covering energy in London, Ooh, yeah. Was, so I was writing a lot about just all the kind of companies going.
2: So I was watching poof. that, going, "What? It, you know, I was a young man thinking like I want to build an energy company one day, and watching this happen. And the question was, what are they doing that's so wrong, right? Or why why isn't this working? And the conclusion is they don't have, most of them didn't have high value markets. They sold undifferentiated electrons onto the grid. And so they can only get paid if they're cheaper. And, you know, Tesla succeeded because it made a premium product that people mm-hmm. bought because it was an amazing car that happened to be electric. And so we took the same business approach when we first started the company. We said, look, we're only going to work, i was only going to start a company where the technology will eventually get to energy and have a massive impact, but has some initial upfront markets. And so in this case, you know, our chemistry is the same. It goes into your phone and it's probably worth a lot more in your phone per kilo of our material. Two grams of of my stuff will make your phone last twenty percent longer. So we can talk about what that price per kilo is, but it's pretty good. Yeah. And then in cars, it if it doesn't make the battery cheaper, it's not interesting. So yeah. you need a path from phones to cars. And it's so important that we have these consumer markets today that can adopt us at, at this scale, that we don't have to wait. You know, we don't have to build a five billion dollar car scale factory yeah. uh, to get into the market. So, you know, so it's the same principles that great VCs apply to software and to other places. It's just you know the time scales are longer, but the rewards are also yeah. uh, potentially much, much, much bigger. Seven trillion dollars of energy, you know, primary energy used every single year. And, right. You know, if we believe at the end of this century, most of that transforms to stored energy and battery materials that's going into the chemistry
1: right if I'm Apple yeah or Samsung is there any reason why I wouldn't use your stuff no not cost not you're not, it's not. oh sh- sure but you still
2: <laughs> I mean you should pay for the value it creates but fundamentally no so the battery in your phone so you, you've got yeah. a nice iPhone thousand dollar upfront cost bill of materials about 500 bucks hmm the battery takes up about 40% of the real estate. If I peel the screen back, it's most of the real estate. So take a gander. How much does that battery cost? 40% of the real estate. It's 1% of the bill of materials. It's less than $5, right? Really? Yeah. It's the cheapest, frankly, crappiest technology in your phone. And so what's it worth to upgrade it? if you can save a bunch of that real estate, can you add a cooler camera? Can you add 5G a year sooner? the space we free up is bigger than the haptic little haptic thing that they use. So it's, we drive features, we sell real estate into consumer devices and that's some of the most expensive real estate in the world. So, you know, ultimately they'll benefit from us getting to auto scale and having our, you know, it actually be cheaper and better. Like that's what everybody wants, but there's no reason to not pay an additional 50 cents to make your phone last 20% longer as a, as a user. And, and you know, You'll probably notice because every because they can sell
1: it for two hundred bucks more because it does more stuff.
2: Right. Instead of attaching that like ugly, you know, battery on the
1: backside. Yeah, my dad has that. I think it's like an old person thing. <laughs> <laughs> the mega batteries. That <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So we want to we want to deliver the, the metropolitan solution. <laughs>
1: Super slick. Right. Today you can't prov- like if an Apple said we want all your stuff in all our new phones.
2: Yeah, today we could deliver sort of all wireless AirPods or something like that right. scale, right? Like we could do 100 million, not today, but as we commissioned that yeah, line yeah. that you saw, as we finished commissioning it this year, we'd have to build a factory and, and we would do that by making copies of that production line you saw. So that's, you know, now you're sort of getting forward looking plans, but essentially that's the goal is go right. to go into the consumer market by replicating the production line we have while continuing to uh, improve the manufacturing efficiency for, for the automotive
1: market to drive down cost. Is there anybody else doing what you're doing? A lot of people are trying. Yeah, because as a, there's sounds, a long... there's too yeah. Uh, yeah. having having covered energy for a decade, which is way too long, I met I don't know how many companies. We're like, oh yeah, we we're working on this thing. I mean, it's we're we know where we need to go, and it's going to change everything, and blah blahdy blah, blah. And then you never hear from them again until you see the press release or the bankruptcy right. announcement. Right. Right.
2: I bet in batteries, you haven't seen a tour like ours though. No. Of that scale. So I think that's what differentiates us is that we're we're actually many more years ahead on that path. And uh, you know, we we are in qualification today with a, quite a few battery makers um, for devices we can't yet announce, but they'll sort of. Um, come in the next 12 months or so we, we expect so you know the biggest difference is it actually works and uh you know we deliver prototypes to customers they test it they go actually the cycles right because the, the thing is you can oftentimes in batteries show one performance metric that's better yeah and like seven other things are worse but we, yeah. what um, and the
1: cycles is a big thing like you can only charge it so everything. many time before yeah. it's like i just charged it and it's dead an hour later
2: Well, imagine uh, cycles is how many times you can use it before the battery, you know, craps out on you, right? So imagine you had a battery that had 100 uses. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't wouldn't be yeah. very appealing, right? No. Built into your phone, so so the industry standards are, um, and and there's a funny way of measuring, it, but the industry standards are sort of 500 to a thousand somewhere in that range uh, before it's at 80 percent of initial capacity. And uh, you know anyone who's worked on our technology has who has tried to replace graphite. There's people who put like a few percent additive and make one or two percent improvement, but anyone who's tried to replace graphite hasn't gotten past 100 cycles. And so we're in that you know 500 plus consumer world. And so that's what's allowed us to raise the money we've raised. It's what's allowed the auto guys to believe we're going to get to the thousand mark that they really right. care about or the 1500 mark, depending on which automaker. And then we've shown this scale up that, that you saw. We've gone up 3000X from R&D to, 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 commercial, to first commercial production. And that creates the confidence that we can go up another thousands of X of throughput overall through manufacturing. So, you know, we've got a lot more to prove. We want to prove it. We're not just going to say we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then show people what we've done but we're we're further along that path
1: right what was your worst day or was there ever a day where you're like maybe i'm just wrong maybe this isn't going to work maybe this is Ah. all going to come crashing down yes and no
2: so so uh, a couple months in i I was 27 when we started the company somebody hands you a five million dollar check you go huh there's no reason it won't work from a scientific yeah, But you kind standpoint. of looking around
1: being like, oh, oh. But there's also
2: no reason <laughs> that it will work. And chemistry and physics can just conspire against you for a very long time. People have tried to crack this code for a decade before us, and, and it never gave. And so, you know, at that time, that was a depressing set of thoughts. The science may or may not be against us. When you're solving really hard problems, there's no guarantee of success. And so you can't measure your success or the people's people who come to work uh, free success by whether they solve what may or may not be a solvable problem or not. So you have to measure by the process. And so we sort of committed to building a culture where we measure ourselves by how we do the thing. And that's led to great results. We don't always know if we get to 20, the extra, the next 5% improvement, is it six months or is it nine months? But if we, you know, if we build a culture of, of how we do this well. And so that sort of got me I remember a very distinct board meeting where I was just depressed and the investors pulled me aside and said, Hey, you can't be like this. You just got started. And I'm like, I kind of had to meditate on it. And and that's what we came away with. And we've been, you know, we, we just, that gives you the fortitude to just keep running. Right. Um, Yeah. You can't be like the the coach who's
1: like, guys, we're going to lose this game. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And then finally, so just kind of going back to where we started and this idea that the big auto companies, they you know the things we're seeing today were decided on 5 to 7 years ago mm-hmm. so i'm sure you're talking all these guys today mm-hmm. looking out 5 to 7 years are you convinced that this is that the, the internal combustion engine is kind of going the way the of the dodo
2: not yet. it's not 100% yet i am convinced we will live in in a world where we will have Double digit, you know, maybe it's twenty, maybe it's fifty percent plug-in cars. To really turn everything over, you you actually need a bit more battery improvement. You need that improvement. So, am I convinced from the am I am I convinced based on what's already been saw what the dyes they've cast? Yeah. No, no. But am I convinced based on the things we're trying to do in addition to that? Yes, I believe. I believe you know. If we continue on the path we're on, if other companies like us continue on the path too, it's not you know we're we're not we're not alone in this. There's other yeah. people making awesome progress. I'm convinced that the combination of technological progress and what they've already done, I think the die's been cast. I think if we stop technological progress today, I think we'll top out at sort of a you know twenty to thirty percentage point penetration of plugins.
1: Yeah. Do you have one good Elon Musk story? People love Elon Musk content. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i'll give you can i give you a good tesla story though sure so please. so here when i was there elon was chairman of the board and he, yeah. would, he would be around but he elon wasn't was running the CEO, it yeah. right so so i, I actually you know i've limited number of of meetings with him in my time there um i sort of left just as he was there were some interim ceos and then yeah. he, he stepped in i've never told this story but i i think i almost single-handedly ended the company Um, Well, that's a good story. Yeah. yeah. So, so we had one prototype. It was a converted Lotus Elise. This was sort of what the series. This was car one. Car one. Right. Uh, And, uh, and I was, you know, I was one of whatever, 20 engineers at the time. And you were 22, three? I started at 20. I was probably by then 20, by the story, this story, 21 or 22. So I loved taking my friends out. And this was totally cool. Like everybody would, you know, we would all do this and, and, um, somewhere on page middle little Oh, wait,
1: so you, wait, hold on. <laughs> you took your friends in the, in the, yeah, in the prototype. Yeah, of course. Okay. With the super glued batteries.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, it was, like, it was
2: a rocket ship. It was, yeah, it
1: sounds like a really good idea.
2: Yeah. Um, I didn't know the implications of, of this at, at 22, <laughs> uh, but we were somewhere on Page Mill and El Camino and one of my best friends with me, and, and uh, this motorcycle uh, pulls up to my left at a, a red stoplight, and this BMW, and BMW M3 pulls up on my right, and they both look at me, and we were in what looks like a Lotus Elise. Yep. Uh, no, no one's ever heard of Tesla before. This is like, we're, it's a nothing. They rev their engines, and they look at me, and I look at them, and I'm like oh yeah, this is happening. <laughs> Light turns green. I floor it. I'm past the intersection before they've even moved off the starting line. And then boom, the power electronics trip and the whole car dies and they just go screaming right past me. <laughs> and, uh, oh dear. Um, and, uh, uh, what went wrong? The, you know, the electronics were just, you know, this was the first prototype. This was like, this was, this yeah, was, the so you might have, you so, blew up the, um, uh, blew up so the could prototype. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, there's more stories like that, but yeah. uh, in retrospect, it was a little little foolhardy and foolish to chatter. To so how do you, did you, did you have people.
1: to have the uh, car towed back? No, or you, you, we did you eventually figured it? it out, rebooted <laughs> it.
2: You just, yeah, get the get the control all delete going, and uh, you could get a, get it back.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but great. it was embarrassing. <laughs> well, I wish you luck, and thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks a lot for coming here. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Gene for taking the time to give me a tour. It's actually pretty funny. They have these, like, little um, clean boxes, you know, where you stick your arms into the sleeves uh, and then so you can manipulate what is ever inside this box. And when you pull your arms out, you pull the arms out. So as Gene was walking through the factory, basically he was being high-fived in the torso repeatedly by all these clean boxes that were lined up around the... Um, around the factory. is kind of funny. But anyhow, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I found it fascinating. I think there's some obviously some pretty exciting stuff in the future for all of us. And in the meantime, I'm actually off this week. So I won't be in the paper. But you can find any of my other stuff there as usual at the Sunday Times online at thetimes.co.uk. I'll be on Twitter, but not very much because I'm at a wedding this week at Danny Fortson. And please take a moment Give a rating and review if you like the show. It really does help us, push us up the rankings, helps other people find us. And thank you for your continued support. The Pivot is coming soon. All very exciting. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.
0: Reaching. Junction at platform passengers. Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.